Hey there, thanks for tuning in to the Worth It podcast. Our leadership gurus, Ryan Dyer and Andy Dorsey, will talk about their tips for maximizing leadership potential, faith, and family, all while raising awareness and funds for children with hearing impairments. Thank you so much for your support as we strive to make a difference. Right now, we have reached $2,300 helping kids with hearing loss. Hi guys, this is uh, Andy Dorsey and Ryan Dyer back for another Worth It podcast. And uh, today's episode is on cultural counts. Uh, before we get started and introduce our special guest, uh, I'd like to give us an update on our uh, financial funding uh, for the hearing impaired that goes to the University of uh, Virginia uh, Hospital. And as of right now, we have raised $2,000 and $25, so a little over 20% of our uh, goal that we're trying to reach, uh, which is $10,000. So to everybody out there who's contributed thus far, uh, we greatly appreciate it. And I uh, just wanna spread the word and, and try to get some more money raised uh, for this uh, great endeavor. So uh, at this time, uh, we do have Coach TJ Rosine with us, and I'm gonna let uh, Coach Dyer introduce him to us. Yeah, so we have uh, TJ Rosine on the, on the podcast today, and we're talking about culture counts as uh andy just said uh tj's a good friend of mine going all the way back he was my very first boss at reinhardt college shared a lot of good times together uh if i talk about the most influential person on my life as far as coaching goes and, and the friend tj is one of those top five uh if not at the very top uh just taught me so much about life about being a husband about the goods and bads and, and we'll share more of his uh successes in the show notes and the in the pre-show um, but TJ's at Emmanuel College, has won a national championship, and has just took Emmanuel and, and took off with him. Also is with Point Guard College and runs a, a phenomenal podcast that I recommend everybody checking out called The Hardwood Hustle, where they tackle a lot of basketball uh, concepts, but more leadership concepts. And they just had uh, the likes of Coach Bennett from Virginia on the show. Uh, so it's a well-known podcast, and it's absolutely uh, just doing a great thing. So TJ is a godly man, and we're so glad that you're on the show with us today, T. Well, I'm glad I'm here, and um, you know, just really um, excited to try and help raise a little money for such a great cause, and and love what you guys are doing. And you know, Ryan, when I think back when you say I was influential on you as a coach, the uh, man, you have so many regrets when you look back 15, 20 years ago on all the things you could have done better when you grow, you know, and so man, to think that I had any influence at that point in my life is, is, is makes me a little bit happy because I just feel like uh, I was a long time ago and uh, hopefully I've come a long way since then. Yeah. And you, the thing I love about you is, is our families are apart, but I can always, you know, you're two and a half hours from us, but I know I still got the phone and call or we just saw you guys about a month ago and we just picked right back up uh, where we left off. So a lot of good times and I'm so glad you're here. And I've told uh, coach Dorsey a ton about you. So we're ready to, to dive right in. So, you know, I didn't share a ton about your, uh, your background intentionally, but I want you to just tell us a little bit about your coaching career and uh, your family, anything you want to kind of share with us. Yeah, well, you know, first of all, I'm uh, married to my wife, Erin, who you know really well, and just uh, an awesome coach's wife and awesome wife all the way around. And, you know, it means a lot when you have a, a, a praying wife and, and I know and I feel that I'm prayed for on a daily basis. And so um, she's special, really special. Got four kids ranging from four to uh, three years old. And 
Um, they just bring us a ton of joy and, you know, that parenting, if you want to work on culture and leadership, no better way than being a parent, uh, to, to get better at, at that stuff and, and to, and to fail, uh, fail a lot, um, but learn a lot along the way as well. And, you know, as a head college coach at 23 years old, I was the youngest college coach in the country at the time and, and didn't know what I was doing, you know, uh, learned in, in the fire, made a lot of mistakes and hopefully have learned a lot since then, I'm son of a, a coach, and my dad passed a couple of years ago, but uh, he, he was a longtime high school coach and um, just you know, influenced and inspired me a lot. He grew up under John Wooden out in California, and that was his big influence, and he, he carried a lot of his influence forward to the way that he coached, and really lucky to have him some influence, and um, Don Meyer, who mentored me at the end of his life, who was another amazing mentor. Um, just to learn from really good people and, and to work with really good people like you and Sam. And, um, you know, I tell people all the time that uh, who you do life with matters. You know, it really does matter. You can be, have a great job doing life with bad people and it's not that fun. And you got to be around people who make you better. And, and I try and do that um, all the time. But it's, you know, after five years at Reinhardt, I went to Emanuel and been there 15 years now. And we won a couple national championships and four-time national coach of the year. We played in the, uh, we won National Christian College National Championship. We lost in the NAI National Championship. We, we just moved D2 uh, three years ago, and we were one of very few schools to go to the national tournament at the D2 level in our first year of competition. Um, and we backed that up this year with a Sweet 16 appearance, which for us is huge. You know, we're, as telling Andy earlier, you know, we're a school of 850 kids, and you know, there's a lot of these schools with 10,000 kids. And uh, so we're just a small Christian school in the middle of nowhere. And we just, uh, we got a really good group of guys, a lot of fun to coach and, and, and truly believe culture and leadership, they matter a lot um, in sports and, and for multiple reasons. If you want to have a good team, it matters. And, and also if you want to impact lives, it matters. Yeah, I remember when you took over Emmanuel and you were leaving Reinhardt. And now if you go and you look at Emmanuel and the facilities you have and all the things you've got going on, that, that started somewhere, but I remember when you first took it over, those are, it may have been the worst facility in the country as far yeah. as the gym goes and all those things yeah. and funding and uh, so many times culture gets tossed around, but tell us about those early days, you know, our listeners, what did you do? What were the very first steps that you took upon getting the job to start building your culture and get things where you wanted? Yeah, you know, I think you know, the first thing to great leadership, I think, is leading yourself well. And I got to lead myself better for this job to be good and to build a culture. That was the first thing that I had to do is, is make sure that I was a better version of myself. And and you alluded to it. I mean, Ryan, it was probably, it, not was, it, it was the worst facility in the country. And it was in the middle of nowhere and we didn't have very much money uh, for scholarships. And uh, the first, I think, good uh, leadership decision that I made as a person was to decide not to make excuses. I was going to make this a special place. I was going to make it. I don't know if it's going to come with wins or I, I don't know if that's going to be a part of the plan, but I'm going to make this job special. And I'm not going to bail myself out with, well, we got a bad facility. Well, we don't have scholarship money. Well, we don't have that was one of the best leadership decisions I've ever made in my life was to punt on excuses and just say they're not going to happen. And, um, and, and I think that's where the building of the culture began. And then I think that the next step was deciding what you wanted your culture to be. And, you know, because of good influences in my life, I was pretty crystal clear on my why. Like I wanted to impact young people. 
you know, my college experience was full of a lot of um, not so great things that I, 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 I did in my life that I regret and I wish I was a better version of myself. And I think that's why God put me in college is because I wanted to help young people do better, to make better decisions, to, um, to find a better way to do life than I was doing at that, at that time in my life. And so, um, yeah, I, I punted on excuses and I decided we were going to impact lives. And, and that's where the culture, you know, began. Yeah, and I love that you said that, you know, that you talk about that job. I've heard you say this a lot, make the job you have your dream job. And uh, you've certainly done that. You've done that for your family and, and everyone around you. Yeah, my, my dad, you know, my dad would come up to the gym and say, this is awesome. You know, like everyone's perspective is different. He's like, you're coaching basketball for a living. Like you don't even have to teach class. Like that's what he was, kept saying to me because he, he taught classes all day long. And he's like, man, you're living the dream. And, you know, early on I, I fought that. I'm like, I don't know if this is the dream, you know, but I, it's good. I like it. And, you know, before long it, you take pride in something and other people start taking pride in it, and then it can start just snowballing, you know, and then a lot of people take time. And you talk about uh, the facilities and, and how that has changed. And I, I think it's changed honestly, because, the snowball of pride just kept growing and more and more people cared more and more people wanted to see it do well. And, uh, but that starts with you, no matter where you're at, where you're coaching, what you're leading, it starts with you deciding to, to take pride in it. Yeah, coach, I agree with everything that you said, you know, one of the things I, when you talk about, you know, trying to take a program from where you're at and try to see where you're going is, you know, I've always, even at the high school level, tried to take, you know, you know, one facility, one thing, whether it's planting a tree, whether it's painting a wall or something just to, you know, constantly be moving forward uh, to try to, you know, make your facilities the best it can be for the, for your organization. So I uh, respect that. And, uh, you know, and I can't imagine the monumental task from first coming into Emanuel to, to where you have that program now. So um, getting back to culture, you know, culture, you know, is probably one of the most over use words in sports and, you know, in organizations and, you know, it's definitely a buzzword, you know, and, and what is, you know, in your opinion, how is culture different than just having a theme or a motto for a year? Mm. Well, I, I think you, you said it right. Like I, you know, going to eat pizza or putting something on a t-shirt or whatever, those are team building things. That's not culture to me. You know, those are just things you do to help your, your culture grow. And, you know, gosh, I, I'm really passionate about this, and and I hope our, I articulate it. You know that it comes away where coaches and, and, and leaders can understand. But I mean, culture is a living thing. You know, so many times it's you have all these plans. You don't become a really good leader because you read leadership books. Now they help you. You don't create a great culture because you do step A, B, C, and D. You know, it's it's doing life. It's living. Like your culture are the conversations that are happening when you're not around. You know, what are your players talking about? What are other coaches talking about? That, that's your culture. Your culture is not when you go bowling and eat some pizza. You know, that is just team building. And I think that's the biggest thing that coaches need to understand is that uh, culture is lived out and, and it's done every single day. It's, it's the way, you know, we go into a hotel. It's the way you order at McDonald's. It's the way that you show up in the classroom. It's all of those things are your culture, good, bad, and indifferent. And there's going to be a lot of hard times along that culture. And I, I think a lot of it, is very similar to a family, you know, like families fight, you know, husbands and wives don't get along all the time. Kids have problems and issues, you know, like, but a really good functioning family knows and they figure out a way to get through all of that. And, and they, and they persevere and they're better because of it. And, you know, one of my favorite uh, 
parts of building a culture is adversity. And I think people think of a great culture and they don't want to talk about adversity, but any of us that have ever done or led anything or going back to my family, like what has defined me and my wife and our kids more than anything else? Adversity, you know, and our culture is strong because of adversity and any good team that has ever accomplished anything has gone through adversity. So we talk about all the great things of culture. Uh, these kids are so nice. They've got great energy. They've got all this, you know, but a lot of teams in the country can do those things when the chips are, are up, but when the chips are down, not everybody can do that. And so, you know, a really, a really strong functioning culture deals with adversity well and adversity becomes a friend and, and, and not an adversary. And so, you know, in, in the way that I show up tomorrow and the way that I greet my young men and the way that they greet each other, that's our culture. And, and every little thing matters in your culture. That doesn't mean every little thing is going to be good. Everything, there's a lot of really bad times. And the one mentor of mine once told me, which was really powerful to me is, um, you know, there's probably going to be a thousand moments in this day that are teachable moments. And if you care about building a good culture, you got to stop and teach some of those. And a lot of times we just go through to get through the next drill, to get to the next, whatever that's, it can't happen. If you're going to have a strong culture, you got to care about the things that are little and the care about the things that way people interact every single day. And when we talk about it, like ordering at McDonald's, you know, there's, I can go up there and say, hey, give me a number four, you know, or I can look at, at the server and say, you know, hey, Andy, um, could I please have a number four today? Uh, yeah, okay, well, thank you very much. And how's your day going? You doing okay today? Well, I appreciate you serving me today, you know, in a culture that uses that kind of uh, language and eye contact and just interaction with other people is a special culture. You know, anybody can go order a number four. Not many people can go, can go order a number four and make somebody feel special. And if you're going to build a really good culture, you're doing little things like that. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's good stuff. Um, you know, as you were talking, talking about, you know, quotes on the T-shirt, I was at a football camp a couple of years ago and the football team had on the back of their shirts. Um, it's probably one of the best I've ever seen. It says, quotes don't work if you don't, you know, just basically saying, you know, you can have all the themes, all the mottos that you want to, but if your organization's not bought into that true culture, living it every single day, and everybody's not working, rowing in the boat, going in that same direction, then it's not going to work. It's ultimately not going to work. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, tell us about, you know, man, you were, you know, went to Reinhardt, was there in AIA, then moved on to uh, Division Two and NCAA, and and you and you were successful in doing that. I um, mean, you know, and you can look at even some of the great ones, the Nick Sabins of the world. Uh, you know, who made that transition maybe into the NFL and, and wasn't successful. What do you contribute to your success? What are the, um, you know, what was your mindset, um, you know, that as you transition, you know, that, that huge step from point A to point B um, that you think, you know, uh, got you to where you are today? Yeah, well, you know, I think going back to like just building myself into the man that I needed to be to be able to raise others up, I think that was really important. I think people underestimate that, you know, like, the version of me that worked with and coach Ryan, you know, might've been a good friend and might've been able to help people a little bit and, and maybe make somebody's day, but I just wasn't equipped. I wasn't good enough to build men. Luckily Ryan had great other influences, family or whatever. And maybe I had a little bit of, of, of influence on that, but I knew that I needed to be a better version of myself. And so all, along this journey, that's all I've ever focused on is 
being better so that I can give more. And, and, you know, great leaders are always bigger on the inside than they are on the outside. And I needed to be bigger on the inside. I needed to grow and I needed to get better so that I could fill up other people's cups. And, you know, along the way, I think the other thing I've done is I've learned strategies. You know, you figure it out, like the game changes, it gets harder, the scholarship game changes here. And but that's equivalent to everybody. You know, you might be an underrated school. You might not have the resources somebody else has. You might not be, have the kids moving in that other people have moving. There's could be a, we all got problems and we got all got issues. And I think, you know, like I said, punting those issues, getting down to the culture. And then I think the next thing that I think has really helped me is really trying to find out and, and rate what tangibly are these things really happening. Now, I'll give you an example that I think could be really helpful for people that are listening that is something that we've done. So for instance, we, we have uh, four letters to, to our culture and it's, we, it's the, we call it the gate. It's G-A-T-E and it's it's the entry. It's what protects our family. And so, and, and the first letter of that is, is gratitude. And it's probably the most important one we have in our, in our program. But going back to what you said earlier, Andy, we could put that on a t-shirt, everybody be grateful, right? But culture is not that. Culture is how do we build grateful men or women, or how do we build grateful people? And so one of the things that I've done over time is, is really, really build out each one of those letters and you know, we define it. It's the quality of being thankful. And then, you know, we have Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So we, we explain to them how we tie that in, how it really matters to their, to their life. And then we go on deeper than that. We say, all right, what are the three qualities we want to develop in these men to make sure that they're, they're grateful, that they experience and, and they offer gratitude on a regular basis. And so, we want to build humility. We want to give awareness and purpose to their lives. So humility is, is people that have gotten over themselves. So we're trying to create men that have gotten over themselves. We're, we're helping them to be aware and they're taking time to notice all the things and people that are happening around them. And we want purpose, you know, just to recognize why they're important. And then, um, you know, so those are the qualities. So those we've defined that, but that, you know, to be honest with you, that's still just the t-shirt. You know what I mean? That's just a, a deeper version of the t-shirt. Then we go down into something like teaching. So it's gratitude, the quality we want, it's humility. And below that, what are some things that we're going to teach to them? And you know, we, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. A C.S. Lewis quote that I love. And so we open that up. Hey, guys, what does this actually mean? And we talk about it on a regular basis. That gives them better understanding. Then we talk about their life and their legacy. What will humility actually do for you in life? Like, how will this actually make you a better person, a better teammate, a better employee? And we talk about how it builds trust and accelerates learning. And so we go through that and we explain it. And then below that, we go down to evidence of excellence. How will we as coaches actually know if this is happening? How will we know if we're building thankful men, men of gratitude. How will we know that? And so we go down and we, we put all the things that are evidence of excellence that this is happening. This is when a player scores, instead of pulling their t-shirt, they're thanking the passer. This is somebody that walks into McDonald's and every time looks at their server and says, thank you so much for serving me today. This is beyond evidence of excellence. We have routines built in. Every practice, we start with gratitude. Everyone shares a couple things that they're thankful for after practice what were you thankful for in a teammate of something you saw today? And so look, I could go on and on and we're just getting started on letter one and I could go on forever, but that's where I think a lot of people miss the boat on culture is they put it on a t-shirt, they put it up in a locker room, but what is your plan 
to build grateful men or women or people that work for you or children or whatever, whatever it is that you're leading. What is the actual plan and how do you know if you're succeeding? Because if you don't know, how do you change course? And that's what really good leaders do. They change course because I've gotten to this really well-defined gratitude that I just shared with you, but that's only because I screwed it up so many times, right? And I'm still screwing it up and still figuring out how to make it better. And so that we can make even more grateful men in 2021 than we did in 2020. And, that, and that's a process. But I think that process is the part that's often missing in culture is that we don't really know how we're going to bring those things to life. That's, that's good stuff, T. And I, I think back to, you know, you went Reinhardt and then you went Emmanuel and then y'all made the transition to Division Two. And I, it's cool to hear you talk about all that. And I really enjoy I've got my notes going over here. But to see you live all this out is, is truly amazing. And I, I want to talk to you about something else. You, you're known for thinking outside the box. I love going to Hilton Head Island with you uh, and your family because we just have a great time. Because so many times you just say, all right, hang on for the ride. Come on, we're going, we're doing this, we're doing that. And you're just a lot of fun. But when we talk about your teams, you've done some really cool stuff. I know I've been uh, away with you and I'm talking about sets when I used to coach and and talking about plays and this and that. And you're like, well, what if we got a bouncy house and we did this for our kids and this? And, and you've just known you've done date night that I stole from you. You've done all kinds of family nights. You've done all these things. What is some of your favorite team bonding or something that you've done? I know you eat uh, breakfast with the, the older gentlemen in your community, 530 in the mornings. You do all these different things. What are some of your favorites? Gosh, you know, one of my, to be honest with you, my favorite is probably the next one because I spend so much time thinking about how to bring this stuff to life, you know? And so like when you think about it, probably like one of the, the best one I, is the date night where they were responsible for bringing their date and bringing something to cook for them. And we're helping these men understand what does a good date look like? Like, what are you doing? And you can observe them and you know are they asking them if they need this are they getting them a chair and then we play games where you know it's, it sounds simple and, and kind of stupid but getting them to actually laugh with their date and have genuine fun something different than people would normally be doing so we play the dating game it could be two people that barely even know each other and we're asking them these questions and they start laughing and giving these answers and really just teaching young people how to have fun and how to how to respect and treat a date because I, you know, there's a lot of people that aren't getting that kind of training in this life. You know what I mean? There's not a lot of people that are saying, hey, this is how you how love a woman. This is how you show them that you care about them. This is experiencing or giving gratitude for something uh, that, that, that happened on that date. So walking them through all that stuff, that's really fun. And then, you know, another thing that I think is always really good is when a team's struggling. You know, one of the biggest turnarounds ever for us is our first year in Division Two when we made it to the national tournament and run the conference championship, the regular season and the tournament championship. And, you know, no one expects you to do that. And I don't even know if we expected us to do that, but I remember there was a pivotal point in the season where we lost back-to-back -back games and, you know, everyone could feel the pressure was palpable. And I think this is where good culture moments come in. And my assistant coaches were upset and they were mad and, you know, and we weren't showing great gratitude. We weren't serving each other. And in that moment, what do most coaches do? They, they just get mad. We got to learn how to be whatever your pillars are. And I said, you know what? Let's actually own this. Let's serve them. And so I said, tell everybody to be here at 530 in the morning. I sent my assistant coaches what they needed to bring. We brought griddles and pans and everything you could think of. And we just cooked them a, a big, huge breakfast. And we said, we're sorry. We apologized to them. We said, we are sorry 
because right now we are not serving others very well. We're not serving our teammates. We're not showing up with gratitude. And that starts with us as coaches. And as we reflect on the last couple of weeks, we haven't modeled this very well. And it was a big turning point for us. And so when I say the next moment, it's like that. I don't know what the next moment's going to require of us culture-wise, but I want to figure it out. I want to be creative. I want to, I want to answer the call when there's that moment where a young man or a young woman needs us. And so I always love spontaneous ones like that. You know, we don't just cook breakfast every single year and make it a habit. At that moment, 5.30 after a back-to-back loss, when everyone thought we were going to come in the gym and they were about to run or do whatever, you know, they thought was going to happen. We said, no, we're accountable. We're not leading well. If we're going to have a strong culture of gratitude and the right attitude of great teammates, we need to model this for you. And so, you know, that one has always been probably one of my favorite because I just felt like it had one of the most biggest impacts on our team. But, you know, the other thing I would say, the last thing I would say is just like the daily interactions like of that culture. Like one of my habits is to, to, um, to tell players I love them every day. And, and to try and get around to my team and let them know at least, you know, half the team, I love you. And then the next day, the other half, if not all of them, if I got time to tell them that, and you know, it doesn't always have to be something big. It doesn't have to be date night. It doesn't have to be cooking them breakfast, but young people that know that they're cared for and loved will work hard for you and you'll have an opportunity to impact their life. And that's probably um, one of my most favorite things to do is because it's not always been comfortable for me to look at a young man who's 20 years old and say, I love you. You know, like it's not always been that comfortable for me. And even sometimes now I've worked on it, I've worked on it, but I'm like, man, just say it, just say it, just say, it. you know, it might be awkward in this moment. And, and that's, that's been one of the better culture things that happens on a daily basis that I get to experience. You know, one thing I think obviously being in the sports world, we all just, you know, learned of the passing of Bobby Bowden and, you know, and he was a legendary, you know, football coach, but you know, what I'm not a Florida State fan, but I'm a Bobby Bowden fan. And, you know, and uh, there's there's coaches out there like yourself that are, you know, that are faith based driven. And, um, you know, and so that was, you know, everything that he did every time he spoke, um, you know, that was always, um, you know, he made sure that people understood that that was, you know, number one in his heart and and in his uh, family. So how do you live with your faith uh, out in front of everything that you do, you know, and what Christian-based philosophies do you rely on when you're intentionally building within your culture? Mm -hmm. You know, the first one that I really want to live out, and I I, I don't know that I always do, but I I really want to live out is I don't want to be a Pharisee. I don't want to be a hypocrite. You know, I don't want to judge others in their pursuits. And when you brought up Coach Bowden, that's really the first thing that came to mind is, you know, is people always saying, oh, they're running this program and they're giving money or they're doing all these different things. And, you know, until you've walked a mile in those shoes, I don't know Coach Bowden. You know, I don't know all the things that he's done. But, you know, along the way, yeah, some kids got in trouble. And I think it's easy just to judge them and say, well, they've got a program that does this because that kid got in trouble and that kid got in trouble. And I don't ever want to do that. I want to look over at the other coach and I want to be the one that says, you know, I don't, don't know all these circumstances, but yeah, hopefully that mentor is stepping into those young men's life. And for all the, the one that, you know, gets in trouble for, for smoking weed or whatever, maybe five change their life around, you know? And I think a lot of times as leaders, as coaches, we can be really quick to judge people, quick to judge other people because we're in a competitive field and a competitive nature. And, you know, we're all should be in this business on the same side of growing young people. 
Now, when we get on the field or we get on the court, and we're going to go compete with each other. But, you know, I, to me, and when you ask that, I know it's kind of a, a simplified answer, but my biggest fear in my own walk and the one that I want to make sure that I'm living out is not to be, not to be a hypocrite. You know, I want to, I want to love people. I want to show up. I want to, uh, I want to be forgiving. I want to do all of the things that Jesus modeled for us. And so I, when you think about um, that life lived of, of Jesus, the greatest leader that ever walked this earth, you know, he, he didn't, didn't do a ton of, of, of preaching and, and everywhere he went, he just lived it and he lived it every single day. And I think for me, that's what my young people need to see. They need to see a life that they believe is worth living and they need to see him through me. And so I got to make sure that I don't, I don't show up in a way um, that is a know-it-all that you, you, this is the answer to that. I got to show up in a way that's just here to love you and serve you and not judge you. And so that would be the number one thing I would try. And I do try and live out in my own walk, my own faith as a leader amongst my peers, against people I work for, against, for people I work for or with or against um, you know, I, I want them all to see that same thing in me. One of the things uh, Ron and I spoke about on some earlier podcasts were, um, you know, trying to build a culture and, you know, and John Gordon talks about the energy vampires, you know, the cultural killers that are around you, whether it's your players, um, whether it's uh, the administration and your, and your leadership, um, you know, and so what, you know, what things, how do you, you know, in your mind, what, how, do you, how do you deal with those people? How do you handle those people um, as, you know, you, you're trying to get everybody on your bus? Yeah. You know, I think we're all responsible for protecting our own joy, you know, like, and, and we, we've got to put a fence around that because there's always going to be people trying to steal that, you know, and I mean, you two guys are, are leading a bunch of coaches and doing a podcast like this for the cause you're doing it. And, you know, you're, you're, you're people that are working with you are probably pretty fortunate and pretty lucky, but there's a lot of people out there that, that don't work for a boss like that. Don't work with people like that on a regular basis. But I think that, um, you know, I have a commitment statement that I wrote out, like who I want to be, how I want to show up. And I give it to my players every single year and, and say, this is the man and the coach and the leader that I want to be and hold me accountable to this. If I can't be this person, I want to know. But one of the things that I, I put on my commitment statement is that uh, no one will be allowed to steal my joy of coaching. And so uh, a frustrated administrator, a fan that doesn't like me, a parent that's upset or whatever, like we all deal with that stuff all the time. Right. And we just got to make a decision before it happens. Like, are they allowed to take that from us? You know, they're, they're not. And, and I've had that experience. I mean, I remember, you know, many years ago getting a, a letter from, from a parent about how I was the worst coach ever and their kid this, cause their kid wasn't playing a lot. And, you know, we've all been in, in those moments where we got that. And that was somebody trying to steal my energy and my passion. It was the night before we played in the final four at the NAI tournament. And, and um, I got this letter from them and you know, I went to that young man's room and talked to him and I said, Hey, I, I didn't know that they felt all these things or that you felt any things. And he said, coach, I don't feel any of those things. I love you, man. Like you've loved me. You've loved me unconditionally. And, and so that felt really good to me that I had that relationship. And I realized in that moment, I couldn't be responsible for the parent who was looking at that child who wasn't playing or, or wasn't getting what they wanted from, from us point wise or whatever. And it, it, that was a big moment for me, recognizing that I cannot let that take that from me because I have something special with this young man 
and nobody can come come get that unless I let them have it. And so, you know, I think that's really important is that you, you got to be the 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 guardian, like you got to be the protector of that stuff because going back to what we first talked about with adversity, like you're going to get it. Like you go going in this year, there's some parent that's going to be mad. There's some administration, you know, that stuff is going to happen. The first thing that you have to do is, is look for the truth in it, own it. If you did it, you did it, get better from it. And then don't let it steal the other things because the worst, the worst thing that can come from this is your job is to go out there and coach your team, impact young people. And if someone steals that joy and that vigor from you, you're going to let some young person down today because somebody else stole that from you. So you got to, you got to guard it. Yeah, that's so good. There, there's somebody I want to talk to you about and that's your dad, Bob, you know, he was a, a legendary high school coach and just made such a big impact on me individually. And I, I can remember being in Hilton Head and, and wanting a certain kind of ice cream. He was always there to do that for me or to play with my kids. He was just a caring guy. And I know what an impact he's made on you and your family, but he since, like you said, going to be with the Lord. What lessons did you learn about building culture from your dad? Mm -hmm. Man, you know, a lot, but I'm going to narrow it down to two that were just really, really, I think impactful for me is one, he, he just gave so freely of his time. Like you knew he was going to be there for you. And I'll be honest with you. I'm a high D personality, a driver. I want to, you know, like my time is not the easiest thing for me to give, but I recognized in him how important it was to give. And so when I'm, you know, have a task at hand, I have a hard time pressing pause and saying, you know what, let me just be with this person. Let me just, let me just care for them. Let me get to know their friend or their kid or their girlfriend. Let, let me just pause right now. And that, that is against my nature because I'm a driver, but I, I look at him and I watched him do it and I'd watch him come to our practices and he would just sit in the gym for hours upon hours and just talk to kids, just talk to them. Hey, about his shot, talk to him about his girlfriend, take him to get a cheap, but just spend time. And so, you know, when you're building a culture and, and relationally, you, you, you gotta, you gotta spend time with people. And that he did that better than anybody I have ever been around is just stop and make you feel like the most important person in the room and, and just really genuinely care about you. And, and that's why when I played for him in high school, you know, those, those people, those kids would just run through a wall. I, I don't even know if he was a good X's and O's coaches. I guess he was, I don't, I don't remember any of it, but they would run through a wall for him because they know that they were cared for. And then the second one is, is um, a pastor up here in Athens who, who played for my dad and he was a really high strung young, young man and, and uh, just really tense all the time. And, you know, he, he shared with me multiple times over the course of the last, you know, 10 years or so, and even more since my dad has passed and said, you know, your dad gave me a gift and the gift was to stop and enjoy. And, and my dad made it fun. And like, we coach basketball or we coach football or baseball or whatever. Like, these are sports. These are young people's experience in their life. And it's, it's fun. It's supposed to be fun. And man, as coaches, we're just, we're wired tight. We want to win. We want to do all these things. We want to succeed leaders. It doesn't matter if you're a leader of a business, we want to do well. And sometimes the casualty of wanting to do well is the enjoyment of the process. And so the two things that my dad left with me that uh, forever grateful for is just an example of how to pause and be with people 
and two is 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 that it's not that serious you know it's just it's really not that important and uh have fun doing it that's that's so good man we i tell you what we have gotten so much better tonight i know just me being here i'm sure andy just so much better so many things that you have said that that i've seen you live out have just helped me so much so so thank you so much is there is there anything you want to leave us with or leave our uh our viewers listeners with you know, I just want to say, yeah, I don't know who, who all will be listening to, but what a great cause this is. And, uh, you know, your family and what they mean to me and watching your son um, just battle like a warrior and just be such a joyful young man. Like, um, I'm excited. I'm excited to donate myself. I'm excited for the people that are, that are going to do that as well. And, um, and for the people that are listening to get nuggets to, to try and grow themselves and get better, you know, kudos to you for just investing in yourself because, you know, it's not you that's going to win. It's not me that's going to win. It's us getting better so that young people can win. And heavy is the head that wears the crown. And as leaders, that's what we do. You know, we, we wear that crown and it is heavy and we've got a lot of responsibility. And, you know, the, the weight of what weighs and the decisions we make, the decision we wait, make tomorrow to go have fun with people, the decision we make tomorrow to go stop and spend some time with them. There's a lot that goes into that. And, and, and those are heavy things. And I know we're busy, but Man, what a great episode by T.J. Rosine. He did such a great job talking about culture. I love what he said about punting on excuses. Just a phenomenal, phenomenal conversation. Thanks for listening in. We hope you'll share with other people and continue to be one of our loyal listeners. Thank you.